Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's golo.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. We made this. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a cold-blooded, premeditated murder. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our first author interview episode of Red and Buried podcast. I'm Frankie. I'm Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Good to know that you're here. Uh, we have an author with us, as I say. Sarah, do you want to give a little bit of background? Yeah, we've got an amazing author with us. Um, I can't take any credit for this because Frankie literally wrote out what I needed to say. <laughs> Um, just because she's more prepared. So we have Chris Whitaker with us. His debut novel, Tall Oaks, won the CWA John Creasy New Blood Dagger Award in 2017. Amazing. Pointing to it. We Begin at the End became an instant New York Times bestseller, the number one indie next pick, a Waterstones thriller of the month, a Barnes & Noble book club pick, and a Good Morning America buzz pick. That's pretty impressive. It also won the Crime Writers Association Gold Dagger, the Theakston Crime Novel of the Year, and the Ned Kelly International Award in 2021. In March 2021, it was announced that the rights to We Begin at the End have been acquired by Disney's 20th television. Hamilton director Thomas Cale and producing partner Jennifer Todd will develop the book for the Disney-owned studio. The book has also been translated into 25 languages. Right, so I'm going to start with a caveat on this. I had Sarah read out the list of Chris's achievements because I can't bring myself to do it. Because your, your bio is better than my bio. Can you send me that one? Yeah, sure. Yeah. sure. Um, so I had Sarah read it out because, um, just for full disclosure for people listening, I know Chris. I, I... Yeah, we're friends. <laughs> yeah, see, I feel a bit even gross a bit saying that, to be honest. But... Me too. Yeah, I don't like it. We so, decided um... we were fiends. We dropped the R. That was, I thought that was a typo on your part, but because because you're so illiterate, basically, actually terrible at writing, really. So we're not actually friends. <laughs> I feel more comfortable that way. But as with all of my friends, I struggle to actually be nice to them. So I wanted Sarah to read that part and then I can suitably um, bring you down a few pegs because I've been because yeah, I desperately need it. I've had COVID <laughs> recently. You did. I'm in recovery still. After the kitty here. Mm. I still can't really I still can't really smell or taste anything that's my worst nightmare about getting COVID but that was my only symptom but that's the worst symptom surely I know but but I don't know because my wife had it and she was like burning up with a fever and had the shape the muscle pains and all that and she was just really ill and then I just lost my smell and taste and had nothing else but then now she's fine and I still can't taste 
So who's the real sufferer here? I think you know the answer. Always me. Well, there we go. Back with that common man appeal that he's famous for. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, I read this obviously yesterday, but reading the list of awards out, it is quite impressive. It is, isn't it? Stop yeah. it, Sarah. Stop giving him the ego rub. He's had enough. You can see all You the- should have cut a few out if you didn't want them included, Frankie. No, they're, they're in my Twitter profile. It's really long, isn't it? And embarrassing. <laughs> People just think wanker as soon as they- <laughs> Yes, yes. And I'm sure our listeners will feel the same way. There's only one time I was speaking to Chris and I suddenly heard him go, I was like, what are you doing? And he said, I'm just blowing the dust off my awards on the shelf. I was, they're really dusty and really difficult to dust because there's so many of them. <laughs> Such a prick. It takes ages to get round them all. Oh, God, awful for you. Just awful. Yeah, it's the first world problems you didn't know existed. But um so, uh, yeah, Chris, actually, whatever, he's a good writer, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's written some rich... <sighs> oh, you can't yeah, see yeah. that. I'm pointing at the awards again. Yeah. I keep you have to send us a, a photo. Yeah, yeah, send us a photo and we'll share it. Well, I've listened to a podcast before, so he doesn't even know what this is. Um, I, do, I, listen to, I listen to Book Off, the one that okay. I was on, some of it. There you go. That's a good one. Your episode on repeat. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it past my own voice because... No one likes their own voice. I can't believe you two do a podcast. I can't believe you say you're trying to pretend you don't like your own voice. That's the biggest load of rubbish I've ever heard. I don't. I genuinely don't. I've never read back a single interview or watched anything I've ever done online, ever. I couldn't bear it. I can't read my own books back. You're not reading your own audiobooks then? Oh, no. I've I've listened to some of them, but it's it's difficult because I know what's coming and they're like 18 hours long or something like that. So, yeah, no, not enough And time. also they won't let him read them out for the audiobooks because you've heard how he speaks. That'd be terrible. Because oh, no I'm too posh. <laughs> He's from Essex, Sarah. Anyway, I'm not from Essex. I'm from Hertfordshire. He's from Essex, Sarah. Not that there's anything wrong with Essex. No, I... <laughs> no. What are you trying to say, Frank? <laughs> You're going to have to cut this out now. <laughs> <laughs> We've left in so much worse in the past. Yeah. Anyway, let's. We should actually do a proper interview now. So, Chris, we have some questions for you. I also want to say because I know Chris and we're friends, whatever. Gross. Um, I've heard quite a few of Chris's interviews because I actually do listen because I'm a good friend. Um, but as a result, I've heard his story about four hundred times. Like uh, he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to hear it anymore. So when no one wants the, to hear it. No one wants to hear it anymore. So if you do want to hear it and you don't know it, go and listen to any of the other podcasts Chris has been on <laughs> or read, his, read some interviews with him. We're not going to cover those questions. I've made a, a, a concerted effort to find questions you've not been asked before. That will be really hard. Mm, well, in how bad these questions are, we'll see. I came up with three. <laughs> well, questions. Anyway, let's ask some questions. Sarah, do you want to go in with a question first? Oh, God. Oh, Frankie, put me on the spot. Well, you have Is this going to be one that I've never been asked before? Oh, I don't know. Well, I can guarantee you this one will be because (laughs) if you had to suggest two crime books other than your own for us to read for a podcast, what would they be? You're going to say you don't read crime books now, aren't you? (laughs) I do do read crime books. Um, Do you want like ones that would be good to talk about, like with the author? Yeah. Whatever you think. Whatever comes mm. to mind. What have you read lately? Will, Will Dean is always good fun because he has a lot to talk about because he lives in, in the forest. 
I think um, we both follow him on Instagram. <laughs> once um, I was at um, Grimefest and and I went to out for dinner and we went to the fish and chip shop and it was one of those it was like a proper fish and chip shop where you sit in it and they're all frying around you and I came back and I hugged Will Dean and he told me I smell a fry <laughs> <laughs> and he always smells really lovely like you like smell nice yeah, yeah. Mm. so I'd go for <laughs> For any of Will Dean's book, but the, the last thing to burn is very, very good. I've read yeah. that. I love that. I've got yeah. that on my TBR. Yeah. Really good. It's good. Good choice. So get, yeah, get Will Dean on. We'd love Will Dean on. Yeah, let's. <laughs> um, Dodgers. I've got a copy here. Bill Beverly. That's one of the best crime books I've ever read. Whoa. I, I haven't even book. heard of that. Me no, it won, it won every award in the UK and at the LA Times and there's so many awards it's so good okay yeah. excellent thank you right I'm going to go in with a an off-piste question now to mm-hmm. mix it up keep things interesting okay we'll start off you've been murdered <gasps> shit um you've been murdered by a fictional character which character murdered you I think Amy Dunn from I knew you were gonna say that yeah that's because oh, I always yeah because I always ask if you could go on a date with a fictional character, who would it be? Like when I'm interviewing other people. It says a lot about your personality that you'd go on a date with someone and then be murdered by them, I think. I think it's realistic. Yeah, but don't, don't you think that book was brilliant? Yes. I yeah. really loved it because it, like, it was the first of the girl books, you know, and then it spawned a million girl books. But um, I, just, I just think it's so brilliant. It's and the film. Well yeah, I, I think... thought the film was great. Ben yeah, the casting. Was perfect, wasn't it? Yeah. He was casting. really perfect. And so was she, actually. I thought she was amazing. Mm. How so, about you two? Same question. Oh. oh, I'd want to be murdered in like an Agatha Christie golden crime era setting. So, yeah, you don't want a grisly death. Oh, I do. No, poison <laughs> be... would be good. <laughs> Let's torture Frankie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep things interesting. Why not? Yeah. You'd go similar era, I think, wouldn't you? I think I'd go Dracula because I've always thought I'd be quite a good vampire. I got you would, yeah, you definitely would. You would be a good vampire. Thanks. Um, what about Hannibal Lecter? You could be eaten. Oh yeah, that would be pretty cool. To be that fair. would be quite cool. Yeah, I would like that. I don't think it would be a gentle death though. Let's... No, but I can't remember how he kills them before he yeah. eats them. I, I mean, only there's that one where he eats the brain, more well, makes the guy eat the brain, doesn't he, while he's alive? Yeah, yeah. But how does yeah. he kill people? He's quite stabby, I think. Fashy. Yeah. A lot of fashy. <laughs> Just keep doing this. Yeah. Um, on the topic of female protagonists, I have observed that you often write a female protagonist, like that's in We Begin the End and things like that. And I've always found it interesting when male authors choose to do that. And I wanted to ask you about that. What what why the decision to lead with the female protagonist or We Begin the End in particular, but also the Forevers, your other book. And um So for We Begin at the End, Duchess was like a clear vision I had for that character. Um, She was like fully formed when I started writing it. Like she appeared in my head and then then I started writing her and just found that it clicked. I don't know why exactly. Um, I've guessed loads of times in loads of interviews. um, There's something vulnerable about her and something all the more impressive um, kind of about her strength, you know, because she's really outwardly quite small and fragile but really fierce and um and I like reading those characters you know like Matty Ross in um 
in that book that's escaped my um true grit oh yeah 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 so I just love it I love that that kind of character so if I want to read it I generally write it myself I was really um interested in the fact that so I read we begin at the end at the weekend actually um and I was quite thrown that it was set in America because you're kind of used to British authors set their books in Britain they American do. authors set them in America so I was a bit like when I started reading I was like oh okay I can't believe well, some Essex guy has written a book I know who would have known stop insulting Essex you're gonna get I'm not, you are you, you are. are by being by being offended by it you are she doesn't care but it felt like you absolutely nailed the feeling of small town America I've never been to small town America so I could be Me wildly neither. wrong but yeah so I could have got it bad it's um it's really difficult I'm, I'm writing the new book at the moment and and it's set in America again and it it's just so difficult because you think you're getting it right but it will be like someone writing Essex from outside Essex <laughs> and then I would know instantly you know if you make a mistake what to you seems like a minor mistake is a glaring horrible mistake that pulls you out of the story you know if you're reading it so um I I think it's the copy editors my editor is um, based in the US she's American the whole team in the US kind of pick up everything that I get wrong um, but because I did it in Tall Oaks and then again in all the Wicker Girls I feel like it's it's harder now for me to switch back because the Forevers is set in the UK in a fictional town and it feels quite American in the same way that sex education does you know you don't really know where it's set um, so I struggle now the other way, actually. I put all these Americanisms in that have to be pulled out by, <laughs> by my UK editor. So, I, yeah, I've gone down a path. <laughs> basically no will now. <laughs> no, I really enjoy it. Like, I look forward to sitting down and, um, and writing because I get to leave Essex behind. <laughs> it's like ultimate <laughs> I never get to let it go now. <laughs> and, um, I think it's yeah, great you're I so just, proud. Yeah, I, when I write, when I'm reading, I prefer something set in America or far away. I just, I find it easier to escape into the story. Yeah. Um, when you've mentioned you're writing the next book at the moment, what is the hardest part about writing a new book after you've written so many? Is there still a hard um, changed? It, always the hardest part is pacing, you know, because you've got, you've got this idea for a story you know roughly how it's going to start roughly how it's going to end and then there's a hundred thousand words in between those two points and and I have a tendency to go off and and write about you know and get really caught up in the details <laughs> like what kind of flower is growing in a certain scene and and I can't just say a flower you know it'll need to be the exact one and I get so each each kind of paragraph takes ages it's why it takes so long to write the book but then when I think it's finished and, it, and it's cut back down it leaves you with you know you can really see what I saw when I was writing it and that's what I want it's just it's really hard to write a book it's really really hard to write a good book um, believe you <laughs> yeah. I, it's the details this is going to upset Frankie because she I grew, grew up as a big Harry Potter fan still love Harry <sighs> Potter so I remember years and years ago J.K. Rowling did this interview and she very specifically said in it that she always every scene that revolves around a meal she always puts in exactly what they're eating and goes into huge amounts of description because that's what she remembers from reading books as a kid so it's that thing of when you put in these really what seems random little details that's yeah. what draws you right in right I think so I think so I am um, 
when I'm writing, we'll have a picture of the scene that I'm writing and it helps so much. Mm. You know, even if you're, if you're just describing a cabin in the woods, to have a picture of a few different cabins and to start zeroing in on detail, you know, on, on things about them, like the type of wood and things like that, just a few, it transforms a few sentences. What could be throwaway sentences become something that, you, you know, takes you into the, that scene. It also makes it more difficult for you, right? Because you've then got to remember all these details you put in. It does, but it should it should be, surely. I always think that, you know, when I'm doing it, it's really hard. I think this is how it should be, you know, because it's, um, it's, I feel lucky that I get that you're to earning do it. it. And it's really, you know, it's a strange thing. Like my kids now are old enough to understand what I do for a living. And to go into a bookshop and see your book there and, and know that you tell stories for a living is... Um, but it's something I used to think about when I was a kid. And I used to think it's not a real job that normal people can have because it's so, I don't know, it just feel, felt out of reach. You know, how do you do it? How do you make a success of it? How do you, you know, where do you even begin? At the end. <laughs> You've ruined all of that then. Yeah, that's, <laughs> sorry. that's, that's my job. Classic Frankie. <laughs> that's what I do. Um, also, Sarah texted me at the weekend after you finished reading your book saying how desperately sad she was. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that was amazing, but it was so awful. I feel horrible. Isn't that's, that the I, best ending, though, where you just, you know, where you're invested and then you um, get ruined? <laughs> sitting on the sofa afterwards, like, what the hell just happened to me <laughs> but that's the thing you that's a, a bit of feedback you often get particularly with big we get at the end is it's really mm-hmm. sad but but it's a more realistic ending right how important is that kind of realism to your storytelling do you think well there's no happily ever after because but but we're just you know that all the stories um all of my books are just a snapshot of a period of time in those characters lives it's not the end the end the end just because it's the end of it's where we leave them you know duchess is 15 at the end of that book or 40 (laughs) it's been a while (laughs) all the details (laughs) do you think you'd ever go back and write more about her or is that done now i talk to disney about it about what comes next and i have ideas but i don't want to write the book certainly not in the near term you know i can't imagine going to it was so difficult yeah um, how do you add to what's already there without ruining it and hardly yeah. anyone can can they when they go yeah. back and do things but yeah, um, sequels are always tougher and I, no one will be happy with the outcome because in their mind they formed what they want to have happened yeah. and all that kind of thing yeah. it's the sopranos ending you almost want it to fade to black because then you can fill in whatever ending you want yeah i love that ending yeah, we talk about we've talked about this before i love it yeah. it's absolutely perfect there has never seen the sopranos Really, yeah. Sarah? No, sorry. I've got friends that have never seen it, and um, it's the best TV show ever made. Yeah, it is. That's a big claim. What it's about your TV? Wait, TV show or film? Are they making if we begin at the end? Uh, TV show. Okay, so surely that will soon take the crown. Sure. Yeah, yeah. By <laughs> <laughs> a big, big margin as well. It won't even be close. No, no. Um, well, I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited too. I am as well. um with crime there are so many you know the classics of the genre and kind of formulas and things what crime genre trope do you hate when you read it in a book you're like oh god this again um i tend to shy away from an unreliable narrator um interesting yeah 
those those kind of domestic thrillers you know where you, do you really know who you're married to that kind of thing I That's just all of them <laughs> yeah I it's just people love them and I can appreciate them I just prefer something else you know it's personal choice isn't it yeah, yeah. for sure how about you but- that's a good question. I didn't. I didn't expect for any of these to be turned back on me because nobody cares what I think. Surely <laughs> they do. <laughs> it's your podcast. They tune yeah. in for you to. Yep, tens of listeners. No, we have mm. same. I this way. This will be a question you've been asked before, but I am genuinely interested in the answer. Are any of your characters based on people you know in real life? Sadly, even not. mostly. That no. <laughs> Come sad. on, there must be aspects. <laughs> I I think there probably is, but. I genuinely can't think of anyone. It wasn't um, consciously. No, no, I just, I can't think of anyone that behaves like any of my <laughs> You know, I would like to meet a Manny from Tall Oaks, um, but... I would. No, I, I really would. I really yeah. would. Um, no, I don't know where they come from, exactly. Uh, they evolve, they don't start as they end up, nowhere near, like... Duchess is a different character by the end of the book, by the end of writing the book. Um, and then I go back and change everything so that they fit. But that, that's what's frustrating about it. That's the difficult thing about writing. You don't get to know the characters until a full first draft is finished. And then you have to go back and fix everything and change everything they say and do because it no longer rings true. Like they're just this complete why... strangers. Yeah, it's really I couldn't weird. Water. That sounds like a lot of work. I'd be like, good enough. (laughs) You can't, like, some authors will make a plan and know that this character, you know, and they'll write down a list of the things about the character, and I just can't do it. It just doesn't feel right. And I'm just writing a nobody at the beginning, you know, someone I can't relate to, I don't know, don't really care about. And then by the end of it, I'm completely invested. I always think about that with someone like Agatha Christie. So she would have typed all that up because she used to... I think she would pick who did it at the end and then go back and change everything. She'd have to retype everything on paper. Someone told my someone told me the number of books she'd sold the other day. Yeah. Outrageous. What is it? it was Inse- something insane. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I think she's sold more than the Bible in some countries. Like she's she's just I want to say two billion. Yeah. I think it's that big. Yeah. Frankie has at least half of those on her bookshelf. Easily. I've inherited a hundred more from my dad. So I have, <laughs> I have a whole library basically now. So with your writing, I'm going back to professional questions now. You have often said that your books are more like love stories than true crime books. Yeah. Um, what is it about writing love and relationships in your books that you think is important to a crime story? What does it add to it? I think if you don't care about the characters, then you can only enjoy a book on a certain level, can't you? Yeah. Um, it, I think love stories form the basis of of most of my favourite books, you know, when I think of them. And um, I don't know, it's just, I like to read about it. I like to read about characters that care about each other because then when something bad happens, like a crime or something, it's the impact is is so much bigger then compared to say you're just say you're reading a serial killer thriller and and the killer is racking up these kind of faceless women you know these bodies and um and it becomes a bit I don't want to say it's glamorized but it kind of is isn't it in a way it is a bit and I've read there's a brilliant book I've read recently called Notes on an Execution 
it's so good that sounds good yeah and it's about it's about a killer and and it's told from the, the perspective of the three women close kind of close to him in his life it's just so refreshing to read something like that and yeah I just I want I don't want the crime to be the focus of the book and to be the glamorous part of it and to be the the reason that people keep turning the pages in my books and um I think love stories, you do, you know, you you hope for more from, from your characters. Yeah, that makes sense. And also it makes it way more of a crushing blow, like you said, which is why everyone's so depressed when they finish reading at the end. That, yeah, that's true, because actually the, the crimes in We Begin at the End weren't no. worse than a lot of other books. But yeah, like I said, I messaged Frankie and was just like, I feel awful. <laughs> And it's yeah, it's because you cared. Okay, thanks so much for that. <laughs> yeah, it's because you fell in love with the characters. Yeah. Maybe they're love stories because I love the characters. You know, because worked, I genuinely by way. the end of it. Yeah, yeah they're like yeah. my family. They're like I care that much. But I think there's also something that to write a character that is just pure hate or pure anything is unrealistic as well. Because you said hmm. or like you say in the book like no one is one thing there are so many facets to do the human nature and yeah it's important to acknowledge feelings and emotion within those people even if you want to deem them monsters or whatever people but we do generally don't we yeah you know we we, we read a newspaper and we'll see something horrific and we don't delve because that's it isn't it for that person if the crime is that bad it doesn't really matter what else we know about them. It will always be overshadowed. But then I'm interested but in the um, like the psychiatrists that work with those people, you know, and see everything else that goes along with it. Because it must, it doesn't alter the way you see the crime or the thing they've done, but it must make you think, like, why? And how, yeah. how you become like that. So it's almost like it makes it easier for people to swallow it as well, right? Because if you just think they're a monster, there's no way I could do that. It's so inhuman. Then it takes away that that closeness to actually, it could be anybody that commits these crimes. Yeah. And it could be someone next door because they're not, they're not of this world. They're some kind of monster that's living under the bed kind of thing. Hmm. And they give them these names, don't they? Like the Boston Strangler or something like yeah. that. And it, it, so it all feeds into the, to the glamorization of, of, what these are these heinous thing crimes you know and I always think about the people that are related to the victims or even friends with them or you know it just that's where the interesting stories lie I think how you get past it or you you probably can't but you know what happens after the crime and around it is, is so much more interesting than the crime itself I think that was a good point you made as well about the fact that in crime that does have a tendency to kind of fetishize the murder of women and that kind of mass body count and the kind of uh, the ruthlessness of it um mm-hmm. that's something that you, i kind of you as a reader you can get swept up in it but then there's it kind of falls a bit flat at the end because what, what are you left with just a big pile of bodies <laughs> yeah end. but it's okay isn't it to be entertained on that level oh sure yeah, yeah. Like, we enjoy horror films we enjoy slasher films and things like that and it's fine it's just it's what you want the story. It's what the kind of story you want to tell yourself. And I, they, these are the sort of stories I want to tell because they're the stories I want to read. So I, yeah. I but get then you don't read from, your own books. No, no, I, d- I definitely don't read my own books. But I rip <laughs> off other authors. So, so <laughs> yeah. <what> <laughs> to read their books, that's good. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, well, this is completely unrelated now and also unrelated to crime, actually. Excellent. I was just thinking before when you were talking about your kids, have you ever been tempted to write a children's book now that you've had kids, you read their um, stories, I'm assuming? Not, or is that I've written a YA. Um, but yeah, um, like one rung lower, middle grade, I would do. Um, yeah. I like those books. I like, um, you know, there's some brilliant series and... And I would, I would like my kids to be able to read a story that I've written. Yeah. Um, but without scarring them. Mm. It won't be too long they can, t- until they can read the forevers, right? If it's YA. Um, it's heavyweight YA, isn't it? It comes with a warning yeah. on the cover. So. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it, it, but it's, it is, but also, you know, I think any teen drama you watch these days, all those oh, yeah. are in there. Like it's, yeah pretty realistic i think for that part that's the thing as well i've noticed and maybe this is going to be controversial to people on the internet but i've noticed that people there's been some people who think that duchess is quite a shocking character because she swears a lot i know i know what 13 year old girl doesn't swear? <laughs> i know i did yeah i'm i am actually i am when people message me when they send me a direct message saying you know sometimes they say that that girls don't speak like that you know, and I just, I don't want to tell them because it's not my job. <laughs> but I do wonder, I do wonder how you, how you can not know or how yeah. you can, how you can pick up a book that is written for adults and be shocked by, by, a, yeah. And it's not like it's, this one C-bomb that she drops in the whole book. And that's the only word that still packs a punch, isn't it? Well, in America, especially, they're quite mm. sensitive to that world. But this is the thing about what teenager what, at 13 hasn't heard that word and gone on to use it as much as possible because it's shocking and new and you've just learned a new swear word. That's what yeah. we all did. Mm. Like maybe just me around my school. No, it was. It was absolutely <laughs> like that. You know, I dread my kids. My, my kids know everything because they have YouTube and, you know, and you just can't, you can't filter it. Yeah. I hear it all the time. If I hear the someone swearing, yeah, <laughs> from your if, kids. If I hear an F, <laughs> if I hear the F word, then I will tell them. You know, you have to turn it off. You can't watch that, and they know it as well. But that that they know the word to look out for, so they yeah. will use it when they're older. So it's just, yeah, it's um, it's hard, isn't it? Because because I could have written the character and pulled out all the swearing, and it would be completely inauthentic. It would have been pulling punches for for what reason? Yeah. yeah. And the whole point is she's trying to act older than she is. So it makes total sense that she would use language that she says. Yeah. She doesn't have any friends that are children. She's just surrounded by adults. She, yeah, that's all yeah. she knows. Well, people are fucking stupid, aren't they? You're going to have to count that. <laughs> no, probably not. Absolute cunt. <laughs> I, oh, no, we, I leave all my swearing in mainly on this podcast. But Sarah's mum does listen, so I feel bad. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Maggie. She just heard Sarah drop a C-bomb. Yeah, I'm leaving that in. Will she be used to that, Sarah? I wouldn't say it to her face. (laughs) Nor should you. No, no. Respect for my mother. I respect your mother. Maggie's the best. Um, I have another question about books. (laughs) What book would you be buried with? Read and buried. See what I did there, Sarah? Genius. Can I be cremated with one? Sure. Just, yeah, yeah. It's just kindling. Just chuck it in there. Get the fire burning. Um, I want to be cremated. Do you? Out of interest. Yeah, for both yeah of you. definitely. 
Mm. I'm paying for my funeral at the moment. I'm doing it monthly. Yeah, you're the best grown really? up ever. Yeah, I've been doing it for years. Why is it so expensive? Because <laughs> the death industry is uh, a sure thing. Because you want to have a massive, massive funeral. Yeah, that's it. How else am I going to get paid for all this for all the stretch hummers that I'm having my guests around? <laughs> God, I hope you go first. <laughs> oh yeah, you're going to have the best time. Be I would be buried with We Begin at the End. Yeah, you should be. Uh, yeah. Lame. I know my own <laughs> book. No, but that really is me. You know, a little bit narcissist. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but you put everything into it. I do get it. It's you know, it's been pretty. It's been quite successful for you, I guess, as well. So you might as well die not and dine out on that until you die. <laughs> exactly. And beyond. And yeah. beyond the great. Yeah. Okay. You can contact me on that? your Ouija board. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Which I have two Ouija boards. I don't know if you can see that one there as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course you do. I, I don't like them. Why? Even though I don't believe. It's just I don't know. Question. I don't know why, because it doesn't make sense because I shouldn't care. No. You shouldn't care. Sarah's judging you pretty hard right now. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. <laughs> um I don't know. I just, I wouldn't want my kids playing with a Ouija board. It yeah. just I th- yeah, that's fair enough, I think. Yeah. Well, it's all because then it can lead to this. <sighs> have you read The Exorcist? Do you know what I haven't? But this is my dad's Chris. first edition <laughs> of, of it that I've been now it's now mine. So I think I will read it. I'd be interested to know how it compares. I haven't seen the film, but I'd be interested to know how it compares. Yeah, no, I would actually. It's worse or better. You should watch it. Sarah doesn't like horror films. So. No, it doesn't do it for me. Does anyone do live podcasts? Is that a yeah, thing? yeah? We've done. God, how do they not say the wrong thing? Oh no, yeah, we we're terrified of that. <laughs> I know because I I yeah, whenever I, I do anything, you know, live, it's you constantly. You're a liability the best of times. I know, and I'm so wary of it now. Like when you do press and stuff like that, I'm really, really worried about saying something, not just stupid because that's a given, <laughs> but and everyone does that. But if you just misspeak, um, the world is an unforgiving place, isn't it? Social media yeah. is. We've seen you can't it. Can't come back from it. No, cancelled. Mm. But Maybe is anyone like... really cancelled just because okay. a load of people say you're cancelled? No, they always, always come back. But our aim is to have you cancelled by the end of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you've achieved it yet. We're not there yet. We've got a few more questions lined up. Now I'm going to move, shift it slightly. Keeping on the death theme, though, what mm-hmm. your death row meal be? I've given this so much thought, and it changes. Perfect. But you're allowed virtually everything at once. Yeah. But then, if you did that, it could ruin it, couldn't it? it well, could, you're going to yeah. die anyway. I mean, the end result's the same. Yeah, but you don't want to. You don't want to sour one flavour with another. <laughs> Not that I can taste anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> I would have a really bad. Now's the perfect um, time for your death row meal. Can I have different courses from different... Yes, times? yeah, of course. I'd probably yeah. have a Chinese banquet to begin with, like a buffet of every as Chinese. As a starter. Dish. Yeah, as a starter. <laughs> no, and then I'd, I'd have to make myself sick. Are you allowed to do that? You can do what you want. I think in that respect. It's not much they can do to punish you at that point. <laughs> Will they give you a peacock feather? Or do you have to shove your fingers down your throat? <laughs> I think they can give you a few things to shove down there if you ask them to sleep in prison. <laughs> 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 
really like ribs. Prepare for a rib course. Mm. Burger. I love a burger. Pasta. <laughs> Naming all the foods. Yeah, Every and then food. pizza. Yeah, pizza course. I like the idea oh. of pizza as a course. <laughs> Get a restaurant. Surely you can have whatever you want, can't you? Sure. I've heard that the default, if you don't pick, because some people don't pick, they just like, whatever, I'm going to die, I don't care. They they give them KFC. Oh, I'd be so disappointed. Yeah, I love KFC, to be fair. I wouldn't be upset. I don't like the beige of it. My kids had KFC the other day. I never get it when they get it. And, and I came in and that entire plate was just this beige colour. There was a corn on the cob. <laughs> Some sort of beige gravy. The whole thing was like an odd orange colour, which mm. really puts me off. Frying. Delicious. <laughs> what about okay. dessert? Um, chocolate. Any kind of, ch- anything chocolate. Massively a chocolate, into chocolate buffet. Yeah. <laughs> a chocolate Chinese buffet. <laughs> the Chinese desserts are never great, are they? When you go to China. I don't think they value desserts in China. Which is fair because the main course is so good. It is so good. But there's often like a banana fritter. Fritter, yeah. There are yeah. Light cheese light and cheese. stuff like that. I like light cheese. I like a light cheese, but not for my last supper meal. Yeah, that would be a, no. a, a depressing way to end that meal. It's You're like, not allowed oh. alcohol, are you? No. I know, I don't think no. so. No. Some sort of milkshake, like a giant one. That that place that you know, that burger place that where you can put loads of stuff in the milkshake. Oh yeah, yeah. What flavor? There's so many flavors. You have to pick what pick a couple. I think some sort of banoffee. Nice. Milkshake. Yeah. <laughs> With a banoffee pie in the milkshake. Oh. All blended up. So it's really thick. It won't go through a straw. Just... I really appreciate how extravagant this meal is. It is. But I worry that I'd feel really nauseous as they put me to death. <laughs> yeah. I want to feel sick when you're going to... Yeah. Do they do it straight after? I, I, maybe they... I, do you think they let you die first? I don't know. Yeah. You have a lie down. Um, if, oh, here's a, of a slightly following on from that. If you had to pick how you were executed, how would you pick? What would you pick? Firing squad. Whoa. I've always thought that. Go yeah, out that's with a, bang. That's yeah. a good one. It is a good one, isn't it? Mm. Sarah. I'd worry that they'd all just clip parts of me <laughs> and then there'd be this twitching of this body in the centre of the room my limbs would be all over the place and it would take out and then they'd have to put me in the chair you know just my torso it's bits of you <laughs> yeah. they build you back up yeah I wouldn't I think... want the injection no well there is no. it's banned in a few states it at is, the moment isn't it? isn't it and they're looking yeah. at bringing back firing squad instead which is yeah amazing. no drug companies want their drugs used for it as well that was kind of understandable yeah uh, yeah i wonder what gun companies will be up for having their firing squad uh, all of them I would imagine. oh yeah all of them yeah, yeah all definitely. of them i forget all that yeah yeah what a flex yeah <laughs> <laughs> sarah what would yours be how would you want to be no firing squad as well definitely i think it would be the quickest too yeah. assuming it all goes well surely they're highly trained we could be shot together Seth. Oh, deal. wouldn't that be nice, that would be Absolute so nice. Deal. you could use uh, my body as a shield and then perhaps how dramatic. survive captain corelli style yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see i think okay. i'd go old school like a gear team that would be good actually yeah, yeah it'd be fun right and then the blunt one. watch 
Oh, no, not blunt, really sharp. And then everyone could come and watch, and like it would be like a a day out for the friends. Could I take the basket home with me? <laughs> sure. <laughs> the sure. <frankie> <laughs> You could serve like drinks from it or something, or put it on a spike for Halloween. <laughs> there you go, multi-purpose. I do like to recycle, so you'd love that. You love Halloween. I Who do. Was it? Someone was beheaded. I think it was an English queen or something, and like mm. it went really badly, and she ended you can up do. to tell them what to do or something. Oh God! But this is the really thing. that story. <laughs> I've listened to a, a, a podcast. And they talked all about it, and it is really hard to be beheaded. But that's why I like the guillotine because it's sharp and it's quick, and it's not relying on somebody's strength with an axe. Mm. The French had it right, basically. So you have a number of books out already that people can read, and you're working on your next one. Mm-hmm. When will the next one be out? I think spring 2023. I, I was about Maybe to summer. say, why so far away? But that's only next oh, year. So. <laughs> and he's writing <laughs> it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it does. It goes really quickly. So she's yeah. like, why are you so slow, basically? <laughs> How hard is it to just write a book? I send emails all day. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, the thing that I find like fascinating about you, God, Chris, ugh, I hate saying that, is that you write so much though you write so much like he overwrites his word counts error mm. like can you imagine reaching a hundred thousand words of anything if i was aiming that. for a hundred thousand words for a book when i hit a hundred thousand i would stop <laughs> no matter just, where it was end. that would be it yeah. Yeah. but you should Nailed aim it. less really because you always add loads in the edits so you should be going well under like i always say i'm going to write ten thousand words under my and at the moment i'm at hundred and 20 on the new one and I've got loads to go and I will only submit 100 or 105 because I feel sorry for my agent <laughs> any more than that that yeah. must be pretty hard though to go through and be ruthless cutting I don't I've written no because sometimes I just even as I'm writing it I'm aware that it's not going to make the final cut but it's like an exercise almost it's a strange thing like because you need to go through it to get to the part of the book you want to be at then when you go back you're it's amazing how little you need to tell a good story I haven't read a little life have you no that's really thick isn't it that's a big old yeah apparently it's like brutally sad like left people in bits worse than yours Mm. oh yeah apparently a friend of mine read it on an airplane and she messaged me when she landed and she said she was so hysterical (laughs) She'd had mm. to go and lock herself in the bathroom for like an hour because she was making such a scene. See, so that's what I'm you're saying. That's a win, isn't it, for the author? Jesus. <laughs> what a review. Christ. Yeah. What are your favourite kinds of scenes to write? Uh, I like I like um, to write the end. It's like climbing a mountain to get there. So when you get there, there's a payoff. If it's, if it's you- coming together. Do you always do it chronologically? You don't like write the end halfway through? Um, I'll never write the very end. I might write the final run up at some point. And I don't write chronologically, no, um, until right near the end. You know, like at the yeah. moment I am now because I'm like six weeks away from delivering. So mm. it needs to be in order. It needs to start coming together. But until a few months ago, it was just um, it's just bits of paragraphs and chapters all over the place you know and then you put them together and you realize what you're missing to to link them and that's why the pacing's so hard because it's you know you've got a ton of stuff at the beginning nothing in the middle and then a long end and yeah it's it's 
yeah, a challenge. Chaotic. Mm, it is. It really is. I've thought I've thought of the perfect final question um, for this. So, what would you like etched on your tombstone? I know you're being cremated, but let's say you're having a tombstone. What would you like it to say? Um, someone's already got. I've told you I was ill. <laughs> yeah, that's Mike <laughs> Milligan. I know. I really love <laughs> that. That's really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I think probably just a list of the awards that I've won. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds perfect for you. It'd be a really tall tombstone. <laughs> Listed. Yeah. Are you, have you thought about this, frankly? Of course. Your own? What are you yeah. going to have? Yeah, I thought about yours. I thought about yours. <laughs> Plotting my demise. What are you yeah. going to have? I think I would like something fun or something really, really weird because I like reading tombstones because I like going to graveyards, as everyone mm. knows. Um, so maybe something along the lines of I will have my vengeance or something like that, because then if you're like, oh, what, what's the story there? Make it interesting, I think. Maybe you could curse the person that reads. Yeah, whoever reads this tombstone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too late. How about you, Sarah? I've genuinely never thought about it. No, no, no normal people haven't, Sarah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well. Certainly haven't got a list of ideas like Frankie. So how, it's hard. It's actually it's harder that way because how do you pick one? So think about me. I assume it's in your funeral plan, no? Do you know what? I actually need to finish that. I have um because <laughs> you get to pick your music, you get to pick all the plans for the day. So have you got your song that's going to make everyone cry? Yeah. What no. song? Oh, this is massive spoilers for if you guys are at my funeral. Will you act surprised? I won't need to come now. I know what's going to happen. Because <laughs> no, I want it. Fair I was us. thinking about this. And I do I want the ending to be a happy one, a sad one, whatever. But I think it'd be funnier to make people laugh as they leave. Mm-hmm. So the song is if people leave the funeral. I've gone for Mambo number five. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because who doesn't love that song for a start? as you're walking out the funeral yeah mm. i like it so, thank you so yeah that's something to look forward to anyway when i die yeah what a note to finish on cool this well, and your life <laughs> well, but chris thank you so much for your time thank you thank for having you. me fascinating it was a nice one thank you chris um and, and yeah for everyone listening go and buy all of chris's books because they are actually i hate to say it pretty good masterpieces some people say <laughs> you said that just now <laughs> is that what's going on your tombstone yeah. <laughs> thank you bye elsewhere on we made this the giddy carousel of pop i became really obsessed with music it's sort of 1982 fell in love with Simon Le Bon. There was a rumour in Australia, and I don't know if it existed anywhere else, and I've never been able to find verification of it on the internet, that he was the son of Brian Ferry. That was the rumour in Australia. Yes, seriously, and everyone believed it. Everyone believed it. I remember the first time I saw Planet Earth and my sister saying, oh, well, he's Brian Ferry's son, and I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's good. <laughs> Hardest crew. It's got a real strong magic there, you know, the, the, the supernatural mystery, the you know, supernatural Christmas ghost story kind of really comes together, and I think it, that's what works for me. And it's also probably the first classic of McGann as the Doctor, 
because before this you had the TV movie, which isn't fondly liked, if we're being honest, and then all the stories with him in Big Finish that preceded this, none are marked down as you must listen to this, but arguably The Chimes of Midnight is the first story where you see McGann and go, yes, he is 100% the Doctor. Pick a disc. And then the Martians. Which you're doing. Yeah. And then the Martians <laughs> construct a machine, which is like a spider-like vehicle to try and capture and collect humans and to harvest them. Um, yeah, when they're, they're seen injecting the blood of the humans into their veins. Yes. Which is pretty badass. How old were you when you were listening to this? I think I was probably three or four when I was first listening to this. This explains a lot. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's quite gruesome. it's like kind of gruesome body horror, but without the visuals when you think about it, isn't it? So it's, uh... Yeah, so you're using your imagination, so it's even better. So Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network. <laughs> <laughs>